Hello, and welcome to today's podcast. My name is Natalie LaRue, and I'm an associate at Ropes and Gray's Healthcare Practice Group. With me today are Ben Wilson and Brett Friedman, partners in Ropes and Gray's Healthcare Practice Group. Ben represents a variety of healthcare organizations, academic institutions, and investors in connection with transactions, governance, and healthcare regulatory counseling, both in the U.S. and abroad. Brett represents clients in areas such as government insurance programs, digital health, accountable care, and value-based payments, and regulatory compliance, and leverages his prior experience as the leader of the New York Medicaid program. Thank you, Natalie. We're delighted to be here and excited to discuss this topic with you today. Ben and Brett, I understand that many states are adopting efforts to regulate healthcare access, cost, and quality. Have any states managed to enact legislation yet in 2023? Yes. Thank you, Natalie. On May 3rd, as part of the final enacted New York state budget, uh, which was supposed to have passed on April 1st, but got delayed this year due to negotiations, uh, there was a provision where New York now requires healthcare entities to provide 30-day pre-closing notice to the Department of Health for certain types of quote-unquote material transactions. Importantly, there's a de minimis exception for transactions where total in-state revenues do not increase by $25 million or more. Um, But the law is written very broadly to capture most types of healthcare transactions that involve a defined healthcare entity. Uh, And transaction types would include things like mergers and acquisitions, asset transfers and sales, transfers of control, most types of affiliations, partnerships, JVs, and the acquisition, sale, or transactions involving management services organizations. Uh, Importantly, the New York law did not go as far as some other states or even as New York had initially proposed, which would require New York approve these transactions. The law is a notice provision so that there's a 30-day notice requirement so New York can collect data, but you're not going to see right now under the current version an approval, right? The law has a a notice period, but it's going to take effect on or about August 1st of 2023. Okay, that's interesting, Brett. Could you provide an overview of any similar efforts that are in other East Coast states as well? Yeah, it seems like the two coasts, uh, West Coast and East Coast, are following similar trajectories here. Since the beginning of 2023, states like Maine and North Carolina have introduced legislation that, if enacted, would increase those states' power to review healthcare transactions. Similar to their West Coast counterparts, the two pieces of proposed legislation in Maine and North Carolina are aimed at capturing transactions with the potential to adversely affect healthcare cost, access, quality, health equity, or competition. In addition, states with existing laws like Massachusetts are dedicating more resources towards a more searching scrutiny of proposed transactions, as well as to post-approval monitoring and enforcement processes. Thanks, Ben. Uh, I'm interested to know more about New York's recent enactment and these pending bills, but I want to start at the beginning. Could you Walk us through the development and rollout of these state laws on the East Coast that target healthcare access, cost, and quality. I'm happy to do that, Natalie. This is really a decade in the making. Uh, Connecticut and Massachusetts were the early adopters of laws and regulations that required state review of certain material healthcare transactions. Uh, They were very novel 10 years ago, um, but these pieces of legislation 
expanded the state reach uh, of these two states into the review of transactions that really went beyond the traditional domain of not-for-profit hospitals that would have to go through a certificate of need or a public need review. Uh, these states generally demonstrated an unwillingness to interfere with large national platform transactions. So the reaction at the time was quite muted, um, unlike the current efforts being made on the West Coast states and now in New York. Um, we started to see movement again in the space in early 2020 on the West Coast when Washington state established a new law that requires notice of material healthcare transactions, much like New York. The next year, Nevada came out with its own iteration of these laws that focused specifically on certain types of providers, entities like physicians, physician practices, hospitals, and certain types of quote unquote healthcare carriers. Uh, and then Oregon, we think really in the broadest law to date, implemented something called the Healthcare Market Oversight Program, which requires healthcare entities to provide notice and obtain approval of material healthcare transactions. Then uh, last year, California passed a similar law um, that established the Office of Healthcare Access. It was the SB 184 bill. Uh, that's scheduled to take effect in April of 2024. Like Washington, like New York, that's a law that requires notice, but not necessarily approval. Uh, and then all of that culminated now in May of 2023 when New York passed its own law, um, which has uh, got a lot of attention because New York is such a significant healthcare marketplace. Uh, and then we're seeing other states now introduce their own legislation, uh, namely in Maine and North Carolina. Uh, and we really don't see this trend slowing down. Um, it's in fact, we think states will keep taking lessons from one another. Uh, and this is gonna be a trend that really extends across most markets, not just East Coast and West Coast that we've seen to date. Thanks, Brett. Ben, could you walk us through what kinds of healthcare entities are subject to review in Connecticut and Massachusetts to start? You bet. Each state's law will vary here. For example, the Massachusetts law broadly covers mergers, acquisitions, joint ventures, and clinical and contracting affiliations involving any payer, provider of healthcare services in the state, or provider network or contracting organization. Massachusetts has also significantly expanded the scope of its determination of need review to include cost and market access factors and transactions or substantial capital projects when those are undertaken by licensed healthcare facilities and clinics. In contrast, the Connecticut law really focuses on physician group consolidation, in particular with hospitals and health systems. It requires annual reporting to the attorney general, as well as notice of material transactions to the attorney general. Like Massachusetts, Connecticut also has a searching certificate of need process. So the states are similar in some respects, but different in others. Okay, great. Do Maine and North Carolina's proposed laws have a similar scope to what you just outlined? Maine's proposal captures transactions involving healthcare facilities, physician organizations, provider networks, accountable care organizations, and any other organizations that contract with carriers for payment of healthcare services. That's more similar to Massachusetts. Importantly, the proposal also specifically captures acquisitions of healthcare entities by private equity groups and hedge funds. In contrast, North Carolina takes a targeted approach by focusing on hospitals and any entity affiliated with hospitals in its proposed legislation. Specifically, the North Carolina Attorney General may review transactions among hospital entities that include any corporation or governmental entity licenses a hospital 
as well as any entities affiliated with those captured through ownership, governance, or membership, like holding companies, subsidiaries, and more. In addition, any acquiring entities are also captured, which the state defines as people or entities gaining ownership or control of a hospital. That's really interesting, Ben. How does New York's law measure up that was just passed, Brett? Yeah, no, happy to jump in on New York. I, you know, New York's really an outgrowth of these efforts, uh, especially the historical efforts of Massachusetts and Connecticut and what we're seeing on the West Coast. But importantly, New York at this point is aimed at capturing data on a broad set of healthcare transactions. Um, and it includes some of the what Ben had listed, physician practices, uh, hospital acquisitions, transactions involving provider-sponsored organizations and health insurance plans. But New York's law also calls out specifically management services organizations, which we think is intended to really speak to a lot of the transactional activity involved in the physician practice platform management space. Um, New York's law excludes transactions that are directly involving insurers, uh, as well as any other entities that are undergo the CON or certificate of need process. And that's important because those entities are already licensed. There's already a robust review process that they undergo. And so New York's saying, if you're under CON, if you're going to get insurance approval in connection with a change of ownership or a sale of an insurance company, those processes remain untouched. Uh, including, uh, and they called out specifically pharmacy benefit managers, um, given another recent law passed in New York that specifically licenses PBMs. But really, the law is intended to capture all of the other transactions in the healthcare space, uh, including those that we've seen uh, involving private equity or strategic acquisitions involving physician practice management platforms. Uh, those transactions historically, unlike CON entities like hospitals, home care, uh, clinic outpatient facilities and insurance companies were not already subject to review. Are there any limitations on the types of transactions that are captured? I mean, there are, right? And it's important that you read carefully every state law to which these novel approval or notice requirements will apply. While they're all similar, as we've been discussing, if you've seen one law, you've really seen one law. Um, and there needs to be a detailed analysis to think about the type of transaction you're entering into and whether that state's specific language is going to trigger a notice or approval right. Just to give a few examples, um, Connecticut's law requires a review of M&A activity, the consolidation or affiliation with a physician group practice, hospital, medical foundation, or similar hospital-controlled entity or healthcare provider, right? Very much focused on the hospital and provider side. Similarly, Massachusetts includes a review of the same types of M&A activity, formations of any partnerships, JVs, ACOs, parent corporations, MSOs, or other entities created to administer contracts with carriers or third-party administrators. Uh, Maine's bill would mirror the review authority in Massachusetts, but further includes the ability to review any sale, purchase, lease, or affiliation that results in a transfer of control over a hospital's board of director uh, and specifically calls out private equity and hedge fund acquisitions as transactions that would be captured in the scope of Maine's bill. North Carolina's proposed law would include similar types of M&A, JV activity, changing control transactions, but any other transactions that the attorney general believes may have an impact on 
competition. As Ben mentioned earlier, these laws are really focused on competition, access, health equity, uh, as well as increases in cost. New York's law, um, the one that was just passed earlier this month, allows the state to review all types of M&A activity involving healthcare entities, uh, which would include most forms of change in control transactions. But New York excludes, uh, and this is an interesting component, clinical affiliations that are formed with the intent to facilitate collaboration between entities and any transactions already subject to the certificate of need or other insurance entity approval process. So if a hospital, for example, is entering into a clinical affiliation, that is definitively excluded under the language of the New York state law. Um, and so it does, as I mentioned earlier, really require a detailed state-by-state -state review because the definitions are not cookie cutter, even if they're intended to get at the same types of expansive transactions involving providers uh, and investors. Great. Thanks so much for that thorough breakdown. Do the state laws have relevant materiality thresholds? Some do. In Massachusetts, for non-hospital providers, such as physician groups, reporting requirements and material change notice requirements apply to those with $25 million or more in annual net patient service revenue. So Connecticut's law, in contrast, does not include a specific dollar materiality threshold, and neither does Maine's proposed bill. Although New York's law does not have a materiality threshold per se, um, it does carve out, quote, de minimis transactions. The result in a healthcare entity increasing its total gross in-state revenues by less than $25 million. For these materiality thresholds, at what level is the amount of patient revenue calculated and what parties are included in that calculation? That's a, it's a great question, Natalie, because it's, it's really, frankly, confusing. Um, $25 million, at least between Massachusetts and New York, seems to be this magical threshold. Um, in Massachusetts, the calculation includes any transacting entity. So even if an acquisition target has less than $25 million in patient revenue, the transaction may nevertheless trigger the law's application if the acquiring entity is making in excess of that threshold. New York's law has this, as Ben mentioned, a de minimis carve-out definition from the materiality threshold. But how you interpret that materiality threshold is going to be, I think, one of the chief ambiguities of the New York law that's going to require a lot of consideration in the course of thinking about how this law will apply. Um, the, the, the reason why there's so much ambiguity is that the law is written um, when the healthcare entity's total gross in-state revenue increases by $25 million or more. Um, and so that's unlike Massachusetts, which does not specify whether the definition captures both the acquiring entity and the acquisition target. Here in New York, the law is speaking only to that of the target. And so if you think about an example, it's really easy to apply in a strategic acquisition where one entity is acquiring that of another entity, the total in state revenue increases more than $25 million by that acquiring entity, easy application, but transactions are not always that simple. Let's say it's a buyout of an MSO for an entity that is not previously operating in New York. Um, they had zero previous revenue. So is that really an increase? And so it's 
It's easy to understand in some contexts, like in the future transactions, but I think in the buyout context, especially around private equity, it's going to be harder to think about the application. Uh, and there'll have to be a lot of careful analysis over the specific facts of the acquisition or of this future transaction or of the affiliation, given the broad list of, of, of types of transactions that count, to know whether you're going to have to apply under the New York process, which is quite onerous, right? If the transaction does comply, there's going to be a lot of information on the transaction that you're going to give and a lot of analysis, including the health equity impact that you're going to have to provide in terms of publicity and notice of the transaction. So you really want to focus on this materiality threshold and think around the ambiguity um, before you immediately go ahead and submit. So this is, I think, going to be an area where we expect DOH will issue regulations or guidance to clarify how to interpret the language um, so that this is, I think, one area to flag as, as an important development. Very interesting points there, Brett. Thinking of how likely it is for these laws to be applied, what has enforcement looked like in the states that have existing laws currently, like Massachusetts and Connecticut? In Massachusetts, the Health Policy Commission has reviewed over 150 transactions since its initial enactment. But of those, it's only subjected nine so far to the more comprehensive analysis, the so-called cost and market impact review. Previously, the limiting factor had been capacity within the Health Policy Commission to undertake more CMIRs and within the DON program to undertake more independent cost analyses. For the same reason, the scope and extent of post-approval conditions and reporting have also been limited from a determination of need perspective. That's now changed as the Health Policy Commission, DON program, and Center for Health Information and Analysis within Massachusetts have significantly expanded their review and data analytic capacity. We're expecting a bump in the number of reviews and the depth of those reviews, as well as an expansion of the post-approval conditions and reporting obligations. The Health Policy Commission in Massachusetts has also publicly expressed an interest in more thoroughly reviewing transactions involving private equity sponsors. In Connecticut, transactions subject to the certificate of need process have long faced searching and public scrutiny. That said, with respect to the comparable market access law, Connecticut's law applicable to physician groups has generally not captured national practice platform transactions and is instead focused on physician consolidation within hospital systems. Interesting. So what do we expect for enforcement in Maine and North Carolina and once in effect New York? I think at this point, Natalie, it's really too soon to tell. Um, all of the bills are written very broadly uh, and they're intended to capture a wide array of transactions. Uh, in Maine, for example, the AG is going to monitor ongoing compliance with conditions and if necessary, petition the state Supreme Court for a specific performance, injunctive relief or other equitable remedies if there's an impact to competition that the AG doesn't like. Similarly, in North Carolina, the AG has discretion to review transactions it believes will have an impact on hospital competition, uh, which is an incredibly broad standard. Uh, and in New York, there's still a lot to be defined, but the law does contemplate that the Department of Health will forward the notice packages to the AG, which has historically had the ability to review transactions for anti-competitive purposes. 
And so there's an expectation, or at least there's an inference in the law that the AG will undertake more anti-competitive or anti-competition enforcement as a result of the information being collected um, through this notice process in New York. Uh, importantly too, if you fail to file notice of a transaction when DOH thinks it's required, uh, there is a stipulated penalties provision that triggers uh, a per dollar amount penalty for every day that you should have submitted the transaction. And given that it's a daily running of penalties, um, the financial impact could be quite significant, especially as measured against transaction size. Overall, these laws give states the ability to take an aggressive stance uh, and to choose to enforce their laws to capture national platform transactions, as we've seen Oregon has done um, through their public notice and through our experience. And these states could choose to exercise more restraint like Massachusetts and Connecticut have historically done. So I think, again, we'll see. Um, but the laws are written broadly enough to, to make enforcement a challenge going forward. Thanks, Brett. Given this potential for enforcement, it will be important to stay up to date on the latest changes in state regulation. Practically, what impact do you expect this type of state regulation to have on deals? Very much agree it's going to be important to stay up to date. I, I think the key message here is that state regulation of healthcare transactions is going to be a more important consideration going forward. In terms of practical effects, that means that counsel and their clients should, first of all, recognize the potential for deal delays and additional cost. The state AG or applicable reviewing uh, regulatory body might order a more searching examination and analysis that will require additional time and resources. An example might be North Carolina's proposal where they outline a series of required fees including an unlimited fee to cover the cost of the state AG's use of external advisors during review, in addition to a base fee of $50,000 just to cover the actual cost of review. That state's proposal also outlines a series of penalties if a violation is found, nullifying or voiding uh, the transaction as a matter of law is one possibility, uh, fining each governing board member and the CFO of the transaction party's civil monetary penalties of up to $1 million per transaction, and prohibiting the State Department of Health from issuing a new or renewed license uh, for the hospital involved. So some very real teeth to the, to the laws that are being proposed. I, I think overall, state regulation of healthcare transactions going forward is gonna require a state-by-state -state look, potentially the submission of pre-closing notices, varying timelines for review from 30 days up to potentially six months, and some strategic thought in terms of how to navigate that review take a close look, as Brett had mentioned earlier, in terms of whether the, uh, the review is really required um, and some of the factors that are evolving in a number of states, uh, even those like Massachusetts that have had the laws for some time. I mean, I agree, Ben, right? Even if entities do report a transaction in compliance with the state statutes, some states are going to have ongoing reporting obligations following closing. Uh, for example, in North Carolina, under their proposed law, the acquiring entities will be subject to a post-transaction monitoring for a period of at least three, but up to 10 years in order to determine the transaction's effect, if any, on some of the factors you mentioned earlier, like access, price, quality uh, of healthcare in the state. Some states have required entities to enter into an agreements with the state Department of Health or other regulating entity 
to conduct this post-transaction monitoring, uh, which can include the submission of quarterly reports. And similar to what you mentioned earlier, the entity being subject to regulation, you're going to have to pay for the costs of that initial review uh, and then up to 50% of the periods afterward. Similarly, Maine has required the parties to submit reports uh, at one, two, and five-year post-closing intervals um, to the Attorney General, demonstrating their compliance with any conditions that have been imposed as a result of the transaction. New York's law evolved, where New York had tried to, uh, as part of the initial proposal of the bill in the governor's executive budget, tried to do the same thing, where they would put what were called undertakings on the transaction that would require ongoing monitoring to ensure that not just as part of the review, but as the entity and the transaction takes hold, what's the longer term impact on cost, quality, access, and health equity. And so we're seeing laws just not right trigger the approval or the notice, but also look at the long-term impact at substantial reporting burden and obligation on the part of the transacting parties. Those are really great points and helpful things to watch out for. It seems like it'll be important to keep these potential delays and costs in mind to get a more realistic sense of deal timelines and budgets. In addition to these, though, the regulations could also make it more difficult to keep deal terms confidential. How have clients been dealing with that so far? That's right. Uh, The additional review is going to affect deal term confidentiality and require a greater degree of transparency. And the extent to which that's true, as we've been discussing uh, in many respects, will vary state by state. Some state regulators will make public certain aspects of transaction information submitted uh, in material change notices and solicit public feedback potentially on those aspects of the transactions. This may include the notice application describing the transaction, key deal terms, requiring submission of deal documents such as purchase agreements. Businesses that are subject to these regulations will have to become more comfortable sharing deal documents Portions of those deal documents may be able to be redacted. Some portions may not be able to be redacted. And some additional operational facts and deal terms are going to be disclosed that wouldn't historically have been just as part of the usual HSR type uh, submissions. As an example, New York's law states the Department of Health will post a summary of the transaction, explanation of those likely affected by the transaction, and information about how it may overall affect the provision of services, um, that's going to be posted publicly on the DOH website. That's the practice currently in Massachusetts is that the material change notice will get posted to the website. Maine's and North Carolina's proposals are still unclear as to how much information must be made public. The Massachusetts and California laws, for example, have provisions regarding uh, provision of certain information under a promise of confidentiality to the reviewing regulation. I think the developing arguments based on trade secret and confidentiality protections are going to be important for those navigating the submission process and trying to ensure that uh, sensitive and confidential deal terms or information are able to be protected if they're not and they have to go in the initial submission of materials to be prepared for what that means that certain details are are going to be or are not going to be made public. Thanks for those insights, Ben and Brett. I really appreciate your time today. But looking ahead, what are the most important takeaways that we should be keeping in mind? Yeah, happy to take that one, Natalie. I, I think the most important takeaway is these laws are out there and they continue to proliferate. 
And while there are certain points of commonality between the laws and the transactions that they touch, there are key nuances and differences so that as you're engaging in a multi-state transaction, it's critically important to understand which laws exist, whether they apply to the transaction you're entering into, and how you should think about structuring your transaction and what the impact of these laws may be on the cost and timing of getting the transaction closed. Um, in addition, right, the landscape is continuing to evolve, um, such as involving the proposed laws in Maine and North Carolina. And then you have laws that have been passed, but that have substantial ambiguity that could impact and affect how the laws are considered uh, in terms of transaction timing and structure, like with some of the issues we talked about with New York and the definition. You know, you do have states like Connecticut and Massachusetts where, you know, the laws have been out there, but, you know, we're seeing increased uh, resources and enforcement uh, given these national trends. And so overall, we think it's important to have a really good handle on what these laws are, the new ones, the evolution of existing laws, you know, how these older laws are being applied. And it's something that we're doing as a firm. Uh, we've just launched uh, a website that really is tracking these developments across the states. And so we would really encourage people to look at that. And that'll be a really good resource, um, you know, to really track these developments and as they're impacting our clients. I mean, Ben, anything to add on that? I agree. I, I think that it's important to keep an eye on it, track it state by state, watch for the burden increasing on deals as the number of states that have these laws increase and the interest in enforcement increases across the space. So completely agree with what you said, Brett. Thanks again, Ben and Brett. If those listening would like more information on this topic or our healthcare group, please don't hesitate to contact us or visit our resource center where you can also find full lists of podcasts in this series. You can also subscribe and listen to other Ropes and Gray podcasts wherever you regularly listen to your podcasts, including on Apple, Google, and Spotify. Thanks again for listening.